This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, I'm going to um, uh, ask you to turn your Bible to Psalms 107. And let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would help us this morning to take heed to what the Spirit is saying to us. Lord, I pray, God, that uh, we would take it to heart. I pray if anybody here this morning is at their wit's end, that they might hear through your Spirit and your Word and call out to you, and that you would answer their call, their cry, and that you would answer our cry. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This is a Thanksgiving uh, message, even though it's after Thanksgiving. And uh, a little side note, for some reason, that door suddenly starts making a squeaky sound. So um, if you hear that, that's what that is. Uh, The Bible, uh, the the very first verse starts off with, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. I pray that we'll be wise this morning and listen to what the Spirit is telling us through Psalms 107. I shared a message similar to what I'm preaching today back in 2010 to our church. I'm going to read a little bit more. I'd like for you to follow. Uh, There's some uh, groups of people that I'd like for us to pay attention to. In verse 3, those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in the desert wasteland, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Let's shoot down to verse 10. Some people sat in darkness in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's command and despised the plan of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor and they stumbled and there was no one to help. Let's shoot down to verse 17. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathe all food and draw near the gates of death. Let's shoot down one more section, verse 23. Some went out to sea in ships. There were merchants in the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the high waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down into the depths. In their peril, the Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. We're going to stop there. It's a long chapter. And I would like for us, if you look at the scripture, if you have a phone, if you have a book, please look because there are four people in this Psalms that we're going to address. There are people in the Psalms, the people who hurt, the people who cry out, the people that God hears and the people 
who worship God. I'd like for us this morning, one of the things I, I, I called out a friend, um, Chris K. So one or two of you might know that name. He's gone through a tough time. He is, um, his wife left him about a year and a half ago, came home from work one day, and she was gone. Kids and all. Not just the stuff, but his kids. And there he began this long journey of Psalms 107. Um, so I called him on Thanksgiving morning to see how he's doing. And he sent me a joke, and it was kind of funny, but it wasn't. Uh, you have to be old like me to remember a song by Petra called Song for Annie, and it's really a suicide song. And he says, I'm playing the song for Annie by myself on Thanksgiving. So I text him, saying, ha ha, funny, but not funny, call me. And so he called me and he just told me that it was, it's, it's been a rough day. Celebrating Thanksgiving all by himself. So when I read Psalms 107, I'm really challenged. Uh, what I'd like to do here at Mosaic Church, and I challenge you to read yourself in the story. Uh, we don't read ourselves as the hero of the story. We already know who the hero is. It's Jesus. I like to read myself as the villain in the story. It keeps me humble. It keeps me grounded. And I pray that we would all just practice that to see ourselves as the one that doesn't rise to the top and always. I saw a comedian talk about history. And he says, you know, he was talking about today's uh, culture. He's like, all of us act like we would be the courageous person and that we would do this and we would stand for that. And, and he goes, you know what? Now, you'll probably do the same thing those people did in, back in history. And there's some truth to it, I think. So I, we try to see ourselves as the, you know, the one that needs to cry out to God. So if maybe you're not at that moment now, but maybe uh, you have been, or you, there might be a time where you need to. Look what it says in verse 4. Some wandered in the desert wasteland, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. When I read this portion of scripture, I think of restless. These are people who are wandering in the desert. They're restless. They're in a desert region. They're looking for a place to call home or a place to, to settle down. And they want a place that they're safe. Uh, one word that's translated in this passages of 107, it says that they are thirsty, but it really has a connotation of frantic. They're frantic people searching for some place to put their trust in, searching for someone or something to hold on to. And today when I look in our culture and sometimes even in our, our Christian culture and in, even in our own families, we see people who are um, wandering from place to place, looking for that thing to grasp onto and thinking if I just let go of this, if I get a hold of that, that's what's gonna bring me peace. Sometimes those things can be sinful that people are holding onto. You know, maybe you think, well, if I could just hold on to my career, that's gonna bring me fulfillment. Uh, if I can just have a perfect marriage, that's what's gonna bring me fulfillment. Uh, and and And, Marriage is not sinful, of course, but uh, placing it to a place where only God can be the answer. People who are just restless, looking for this or looking for that. I remember there was a season where I was a little restless in my home. 
Um, there was a season where I was always looking for the next deal. I literally bought my house on Lakeshore Drive, and I think two months later, I was already looking for another place. And, and in itself is not wrong. I get some people just like to flip homes. And, uh, but for me, it was like a restless spirit. I just wasn't satisfied with what I had. Um, and it wasn't necessarily just about financial gain, but it was just getting that better house. You know, the house across the street from my house, the one with the oval, if you've been to my house, it's got an oval driveway. I mean, I, I literally eyed that thing for years. I was restless and I needed to, to just allow the Lord to just bring me peace. So these people are looking for a place uh, to settle in and they keep looking and looking, they're frantic. And this is, I would call the category of people who are hurting. The second category of people are the ones who are suffering. If you look at verse 10, it says, those who are dwelling in darkness, in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery chains because they had rebelled against the word of God. These people heard the word of God. They've heard it spoken. They've seen it lived out in front of them. And maybe at one time they even lived for God. But now they've rejected it. We have some family members in our church that are the directors of Teen Challenge. And he would tell me story after story of people who are in chains to drugs, but were raised in the church. They went to church, had godly parents. But this is what kind of, the picture I, I can see, those who are dwelling in darkness in the shadows of death, prisoners in miseries and chains because they had rebelled against the word of God. And so these people are clearly suffering because of their, their rebellion. And they find themselves in prison, maybe not a physical prison, but a, it, an emotional prison, a, a, a psychological prison. So how can we apply this to today? There are lots of types of chains out there. Uh, some can be tied to sin. You know, I deal with young people all the time, and one of the biggest challenges among young men is um, pornography. That would be an obvious one, or, or drug use. Uh, that's an, another, uh, you know, slave to alcohol. So this is the today types of chains in our culture. But you could also be a slave to bitterness and anger. And you still hold on to it versus letting it go and giving it to God. I've already mentioned some people. I've been reading this documentary on how our, uh, there are so many people in power who are addicted to uh, sex. And one of the, we have a team right now at the World Cup of ministers. And uh, it's, an, it's a, uh, a, a beautiful situation where the gospel can more easily be preached at the location of where the World Cup is because the police are more concerned about sex trafficking and alcohol consumption. So the police are focusing on that and they're not really focusing so much on evangelism. So we have a team of about 20 campus pastors across the country uh, that are there now sharing the gospel. But sexual tra uh, sex trade and, and all that is just, it just uh, it's an epidemic in our world. And we'd like to think, I would like to think that it's not a problem here, but I've been told it absolutely is. Sometimes we can be a slave to good things. 
Like, what, what could be a slave to good things? As you could probably see, uh, very obvious to yourself, I'm a slave to working out. Uh, my brother would say, you working out? Yeah. <laughs> that caught me off guard. Um, at first, hey, bro, you've been working out? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you mean like this? And so, but you know, um, some people are addicted to watching World Cup soccer. I don't know who that could be here in the, in the audience. Um, I know of a friend that was a slave and, and chained to cleanliness. Everything had to be spotless to the point where you were afraid to sit down or touch anything. Later on, that person told me it really was a form of control, her taking control, the things that she could. Um, how about this? Uh, this may sound strange, and I shared this 12 years ago. Uh, how about being so enchained to church that you forget about your family. A lot of times pastors fall into this category. I, I have close family members that uh, spend a lot of time at the church at the expense of their family. Sometimes it could be the opposite, right? Sometimes you're so, uh, so chained. It's not a bad thing, but so much so with family that you never go to church. I think of seasons where, uh, especially like club, club travel, you know, people that just, uh, you know, don't go to Wednesday night church anymore. You know, back in the day, they don't go to Sunday morning because they're traveling. And, and I did that. You know, I traveled soccer with my kids. Um, of course, I, wasn't, I was not a slave to it, but others are. No, but you have to be careful. You have to be careful. Sometimes as pastors can make their ministry, uh, they're focused at the expense of family. And the opposite, sometimes we can make family so important that we neglect the house of God. In verse 10 through 16, there's a other group of people. These are people who are bound and they've tried to get out, but they can't, and they can't do anything to free themselves from their bondage. In verse 17 says, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and draw near the gates of death. These people are discouraged. Now, this may sound like a really down sermon, but I purposely miss certain passages. If you're smart enough, I wasn't at first. If you read the rest of the passages in between, you can see the passages of hope. People who are discouraged and feel hopeless. It says in the scripture, they loathe all foods and draw near their gates of death. These people have bought the devil's lie that there's no hope for them and they're willing to take up, take their lives. Today, more than ever, we have an epidemic of this kind of spirit. They say they might as well just give up. I can't live this life. I've lost. I'm worthless. There's nothing more to live for. Yes, this person is believing the Satan's lie because of their sin. They're hopeless and worthless and there's no way out and God can never use them. The fourth category is those who are in a storm. Eric so eloquently shared about 
uh, living a life storm. And I thank you for uh, clarifying song number two, because that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, yes, it's our understanding of God that gets better. Verse 23, some went out to the sea in ships and there were merchants in the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the high waves. They mounted up to the heavens and they went down into the depths in their peril. Their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. I just saw a little clip of a show that's coming out on television, like uh, how to prepare like the Navy SEALs. And it was a famous soccer player, female soccer player, and she was strapped to a car and the car was, you know, through a crane being led into the water and she had to hold onto the steering wheel. She strapped in for a minute. As soon as she was underwater, she had to hold her breath and hold on for a minute. This girl, this lady's courageous, she's strong, very athletic. And uh, I didn't see the show because they didn't show, but she said she failed the test. It's like frantic. They, they, their courage just melts away, the Bible says in verse 26. Doesn't mean that something they've done is wrong. It doesn't say that in this part of the scripture. They don't, it's not because they're involved in some sexual, uh, sinful thing. It just says that God... Look what it says, that for God spoke and stirred up the tempest. Very similar to what you find in the book in Jonah, that who, who caused the storm to happen. So God sends a storm in verse in 107 of Psalms into their lives, and in consequence, they begin to act frantically. And they're in a storm. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe something happened that you can't handle, that, that suddenly came upon us or upon you. Maybe the family business is not as established as you thought. Maybe your 401k has uh, all of a sudden dwindled away. In those kind of storms, you figure out where your trust is in. People think that they're set up for life, and all of a sudden it's not there. These are four categories of people who hurt, the frantic, the restless, those who are looking for security, those who are chained and bound, and those who are discouraged. But there's a portion in this scripture that says there are people who cry out. If you go back to your scripture and look and go back to each category that I read, some sat in darkness and the dark, you know, so right there, the next verse after that little portion, verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Verse six, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 19, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distressed. In verse 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. Let me challenge me and you that we are people that cry out to God. I love that you're here. I'm, I appreciate that you're here. I think, you know, in coming to church, whether you felt like it or not, it was rainy Sunday morning, a little bit of cold. It was uh, an obvious uh, reason to say, hey, you know, maybe not today, but I believe that you're here. It is a form of praying and asking God, I want to honor you, and you, you overcame that 
that boundary of a barrier of coming to church. But this morning, in coming here, it's kind of like saying, we cry out to you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We, we cannot live life without you, Lord. So these people who are hurting, those people that we talked about, they cry out. And if you cry out to the Lord, he's there in our trouble. Charles Spurgeon, famous theologian in the past, says sometimes when you're hungry, it brings you to your knees. Sometimes when you're hungry, it brings you to your knees. Much easier than if you're always feasting. Sadly, Sometimes it takes tough times. Sometimes it takes times in chains to you to come to a wit's end to cry out to God. Again, I can think of a better scenario than uh, listening to these teen challenge men. I was just at an event two weeks ago and listening to their story where they were at their wit's end. And at their wit's end, they find Jesus. But it wasn't until their wits end, they realized they had nowhere to turn, and they finally said they, they bowed their knees to Jesus. If you ever have the chance to listen to Austin and Cassidy's testimony, it's a perfect example of coming to their wits end. The other thing I love about this passage is that God hears us. It says, the God who hears, they cried out, and the Lord heard them the God who hears the one thing I love about the God who hears in this passage is that unlike me as a parent sometimes I did not give my kids undivided attention I remember specifically when they were young Sunday afternoons, we wanted them to take a nap. And, um, but I also wanted to take a nap. And these kids were smart enough to ask me if they could not take a nap in, right before I fell asleep. And so I was half asleep, and then I'm sure Micah and Mason me at least like, hey, Dad, can I just go downstairs and, and not sleep or go watch TV? And I'm like, yes, just, just go. And then, uh, you know, then I'd get up, I'd get in trouble from Robin for not making them take a nap. Undivided attention is tough. But I thank God that he gives us undivided attention. He can hear my prayer, my cry. At the exact same time, he can hear yours, and he can hear yours, and he can hear yours. Sometimes we might think, well, I don't want to bother God with my my cry for help. But God gives us undivided attention. Sometimes we might think that God doesn't want to hear us. Have you ever been there, parent, where you don't really want to hear mommy come clean my bottom? You're like, where's dad? Where's, who can do this? Sometimes we feel like I just can't do this. I can't answer everybody's question in my family. I, I'm only one person. I can't give everybody undivided attention. But God can. God's not that frantic parent. God's always there to hear our call for help, our prayers. 
and he always gives us his full attention. It's not a burden he can't handle. Rather, I believe he is blessed by it because it's a sign that we trust him and we know that we can go to him. I remember as a parent, I wish I could take time and listen to each kid's situation, each homework assignment, and, and give them all the undivided attention. But there are many times I failed. So I, I see a lot of moms in the, in the room and dads, and maybe I'm biased and old-fashioned. But I believe that God can listen to Rhea, Melise, Deanna, Ashley, Lindsay, Lavella. As you guys are raising your kids, he can hear your cries at the same time. And maybe you cha- your challenge of trying to balance your family, God does not have that challenge. God hears us and is the God of undivided attention. The second thing as I read this passage that God accepts us where we're at. That's not to be confused that he accepts us where we're at and he leaves us where we're at, but he accepts us where we're at. He gives us unqualified acceptance. Just read the passage when you go home. Read the whole thing. We don't have time to read every one. It says here that God hears And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 8, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. I have not been a perfect parent. None of my kids could say that. I wish they could, but they can't. But God is here for us in his unqualified acceptance. Some, some of these people are in their situation because of their own sinful behavior, but he's still unqualified acceptance. When we turn to him, he welcomes us. When we call on him, he listens. When the prodigal son comes home, he runs after us. And the last thing I love about this part is the God who's listening, who's given us undivided attention, has unqualified power. In verse 20, he said, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The God who hears is also the God who, that is paying attention and the God who's powerful to shatter the chains that might be binding us. Again, I refer to the Teen Challenge story. Uh, A few of us were there at the banquet, and you could see when these young men called out to God at their wit's end, lost because of sinful behavior, God heard their cry. He gave them undivided attention And he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, he breaks those chains and he rescues them. The things that were enslaving them. 
But there are things that we also deal with that God is calling us to go to him so that he can bring healing to our lives. The last thing as we wrap up here is I find that there are people who call out on the word, on God. And then they cried to the Lord. At the very end, I'm gonna ask the band to come up, but not yet. When you call and cry out to the Lord, to me, I would consider that a form of worship. People who hurt, people who cry out, the God who hears, each of these are testimonies when God's people worship God. They respond to God's wooing them. I think worship entails a few things. In verse 6, 15, 21, and 31, we don't have time to look at it. It says, let them give thanks to the Lord. So on this Thanksgiving weekend, I pray that part of our worship entails of thanksgiving for what he has done for us. That's why we do communion every month, is that we take time. We're going to make sure, at least at Mosaic Church, that we're going to take time to be thankful and praise him for his great works, for answering our prayers and being there with us in the middle of our storm. In verse 22 and 32, it says, let them tell of his works with joyful singing. Let them, verse 32, let them extol him also in the congregation. In this verse, another form of worship is not so much so what we do here, but they tell others about what God has done. One part of worship is thanking and praising God. The second part of worship is telling others of the great things God has done in our lives. I would say social media is the perfect place to do that in our day. Sadly, and I've been guilty of this, we want to tell people how awesome I am. Look, what uh, one of the things that we tell people in my ministry is that if God is done something for you, tell the world. But if you're doing something for God, keep it between you and the Lord. Keep it between you and the Lord. But a second form of worship is telling others about the goodness and kindness and the generosity and the chain-breaking God. The, uh, at the Teen Challenge Banquet, my, f- my fourth reference to it, they had what they call uh, cardboard testimonies. And they walked around, it was like, you know, I was a drunkard, drug addict, uh, sex addict. And then they flipped the board and says, but Jesus set me free. It was powerful. That's a form of worship. Not only what we do here when we raise our hands and, and, and clap and sing, But the second form of worship is to be grateful for what he's done and tell others about what he's done. And there's a third type. takes place in the Psalms. It's not necessarily considered worship, obviously, but it is. I think when we cry out to God, we're acknowledging our own inability to do anything for ourselves. 
God, help me. Deliver me from these chains that I have. Lord, thank you because I know without you, I can do nothing. Thank you, Father, for saving me because I could not do that on my own. I need you. So when we cry out to God, we, I believe, are worshiping. In your prayer closet, at home, say, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I can't love my spouse anymore. I can't, I'm tired of my kids misbehaving. I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I can handle my boss another day. I can't do this anymore. And I believe that when we call out to God and we cry out to him, it's by, it, in a way, it's, we're humbling ourselves and we're admitting that we can't do this. And we're asking God to help us. God to help us and save us. So if this morning you might be hurting, you might be distressed, you might be discouraged, you might be in chains, the answers are all the same. It's God. The answer is Jesus. So this morning I pray, God, that our church would learn and always give thanks to the Lord for what he's done in our lives, that we would always tell people about the goodness of God and that we would always go to him. I learned quickly that my marriage, Robin is not the answer to my situation. Jesus always is. I have found that when I follow God and I go after him, and I love God more, I happen to love my spouse more. When I go to God and I call on him and I trust him and I walk in areas of obedience, I found that I love my kids more. And I love my fellow coworkers more. And Jesus is the answer this morning on this Thanksgiving weekend. And I pray that we would all have an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness and call out to God. So this morning, I'm going to challenge you just if we can close our eyes for a moment and just pray for a moment and say, God, we could even be saying, God, I haven't been really good at being grateful and thankful. Lord, could you help us? Could you help me? Lord, I haven't really been that good at um, telling people about your goodness. It's easier to talk about football and how good our team is doing or talk about sports. But Lord, we don't easily talk about your goodness. And Lord, I fall prey to that myself. Lord, help us as a church to be a mouthpiece, uh, a bullhorn, a PA system of sharing the good news of what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, there's no shame in calling out on the Lord and crying out to him, I need help. And Lord, I, I need help. I need help being a good father, a good pastor, a good husband a good person. I need help, your help, 
to be the person you want me to be. I can't do it without you. Every eye closed, head bowed, and you say, Pastor Mario, um, I'm hurting. You don't have to tell me what, why you're hurting, but you're hurting, and you, and you need, you, you're, you're saying, I need God. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. Yes. Quite a chunk of you guys raised your hand. And the, those who didn't raise their hand, it's just at this moment, they're not, we're not in that situation. But we need each other. We need you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us as a church to help people who are in this situation. I rebuke in the name of Jesus any attitude of uh, haughtiness or pride, like we would look down at someone who's hurting. But Lord, that we would humble ourselves and get to that level and say, can I pray with you? Can I encourage you? What can I do to help you? Lord, thank you that you answer our calls. You answer our cries, our prayers. You give us undivided attention, and you have time for us. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for a Holy Spirit empowerment. I pray, God, for, for the people that raised their hands, Lord, that they would sense your presence, that they would be open to people, uh, encouraging them and, and helping them and, and walking with them. Lord, as uh, we've been sharing for weeks, none of us are immune from t calling out to the Lord, needing to call out to the Lord. Lord, we pray for our wayward family members that don't know you, that are walking away from you. God, I pray, God, that you would help us to lift them up and pray for them. And we trust you, God. And Lord, we're hurting, but Lord, we know that you can bring us peace as we pray for those who are our wayward prodigal children. Thank you, Lord. And we love you and we, we need you, Father. In Jesus' name, let's, let's stand. We're gonna ask the band to come on up and we're gonna finish. I don't, I don't um, we don't micromanage the uh, song selections, but it just feels like it's just a perfect song to end our time this weekend. Amen. Hey, uh, this may sound weird, but I do want to acknowledge someone here. Uh, the Bruners are here. You guys don't know who the Bruners are, most likely. But um, uh, Mr. Bruner was our lawyer that represented us one, to get this church property. And for that, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. And, and <laughs> he didn't really charge us anything. Uh, that's a miracle. And we needed that miracle. We needed that. We didn't have any money. Not that we have money now, but uh, Mr. Bruner, thank you so much for serving Jesus in that capacity. And, and you didn't make me beg or ask me to beg. You just you kind of, I believe the Spirit already told you that we didn't have any money uh, and, didn't, and didn't charge us, but pennies of what you could have. Uh, so thank you so much. Let's finish our time worshiping Jesus. Precious.
to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.